Thank you for downloading this episode of the 155 Podcast, the public records interview series of all candidates in Hamilton's 2018 municipal election. For more election coverage, visit thepublicrecord.ca where you can sign up for our City Hall newsletter. Episode 85, Alain Bureau, running for City Councilor in Ward 3, recorded on September 11th, 2018. Alan Bureau, you're running for City Councilor in Ward 3. Welcome to the Public Records, the 155 podcast. Thank you, Joey. Firstly, tell us, who is Alan Bureau? Who is Alan Bureau? I'm many things. I am certainly part of our community. That's one thing that I emphasis in my campaign. I'm there on the ground doing things with and supporting our community. Who am I as a person? I do many things. I have a background in finance, in healthcare and in law. As activities, I'm a crazy skydiver. I'm also an avid person on a bicycle. Why are you running? I approached many candidates before deciding to put in my own nomination, and I felt that after much discussion with a variety of the candidates, I can't say I spoke to every single one of them, but the ones that seemed to be of interest for me, and many had very specific either political or personal agendas, or had we're trying to move forward some very specific issues. And I felt as though a candidate needed to have a very global and general view of our ward and the people in it. So I decided, since I feel as though I am that candidate, I decided, in a sense, somewhat reluctantly, to move forward and put in my candidacy. Do you live in Ward 3, yes or no? Yes, I do. Does it matter if one lives in the community one seeks to represent? I think it is vital, and it's a very, very important aspect of being a councillor. You must live in the community you represent. Being a city councillor, it's all about what's happening down the street in your neighborhood. If you don't have that presence, how can you really sense, even just on a daily basis, understand the different concerns and issues and dreams that residents and businesses and all stakeholders have. How have you contributed to your community and our city? There's a lot that I have been doing. I've, for the last almost five years now, it's almost felt like a full-time job, which I've enjoyed, so it wasn't really work. But I've been in the community at different tables, initiatives, and actions, I'd say anywhere between 30 to 40. I'm not going to bore you by naming all of them. Some of them have resulted as, um, with uh, such recognition as being the Volunteer of the Year for Environment Hamilton. Other things, I've left my trace with other uh, residents and in our efforts, such as uh, building community gardens or even doing uh, a project in our alleys. I've also spoken on behalf of different groups at city council. So it's something, you know, delegating and, and what have you. So I feel as though I've done a lot in our community to start understanding. As a matter of fact, I'd say this five years have been very, very formative. I came in thinking I understood a lot of the elements. Some of them I did, but some of them over time I understood even better by being in my community. What are your two priorities for Ward 3 and two priorities for Hamilton as a whole? To speak to the first two priorities for the ward, I'd say healthy and safe neighborhoods. That includes a variety of things from parks, friendly streets, whether it's streets or laneways, 
It includes housing. It includes a variety of support services. And the other item would be growth and prosperity in our ward. And that means uh, things such as supporting small business, educational programs for youth and even newcomers. It also includes uh, support in a sense of entrepreneurial support for youth and, again, new business owners. It also includes we have a large industrial area, so there's a strategy that needs to be uh, built around that area. I'm thinking emerging technologies would be very, very interesting, some type of form of emerging technology innovative park. We could also look at such things as greening our industrial area, not necessarily the land, but what about the roofs? Or maximizing the use of those roofs with solar panels. So again, uh, growth and prosperity has a very large reach, and those are the two main elements for Ward 3. When it comes to the city as a whole, there's a variety of things. Obviously, you have to choose if you're just giving a choice of two. So infrastructure is one of those elements. The infrastructure also implicates revenue. So I'm tying both of those in. And the other element, the second element, is also HSR and LRT, which kind of both fit in together. LRT I see as a, um, a stimulant or a stimulus uh, throughout the corridor it will go through that will speak to infrastructure and revenue, such as property revenue, and increasing the density of that corridor. Currently, most of the corridor has one or two floor buildings, many of them empty at a commercial level. That is just not acceptable as to leaving that as is. We need to move forward. And I think LRT, infrastructure, and revenue all come in together. What are three skills you will bring to elected office that make you the best choice to represent Hamiltonians on city council? Well, I think I've, in time I've learned uh, humility, and that includes uh, listening to people and shutting up. That's one. Another one is creativity and vision. So I'd say the three are vision, humility, and creativity. Ward 3 includes areas within the downtown Hamilton Secondary Plan, the BIAs of Barton and Ottawa, the transit-oriented corridors of King and Maine, and numerous large parcels of urban land in other areas of the ward. As Ward 3 Councillor, you will need to decide upon planning applications of various heights, sizes, densities, and uses. You will need to balance numerous competing interests and goals in deciding upon those applications. What will be your process for evaluating development applications, and how will you manage different interests in Ward 3? Interesting question. When I saw the question at first, I was wondering, what is a counselor doing deciding applications? I think the counselor may be part of the process, but more as a liaison than actually intervening directly into those applications. So I would say, really, the application process How about relying on staff that we've hired to do this? So it's a question of staff recommendations. And the second part to that, the important part of that, is community consultation. So if between the staff recommendation, including the community consultation, and a robust community consultation, we're not talking about having one session with a you know, big panel putting it on the street, we want to build this, 
you know, number so-and-so, it's going to happen at this date, and nobody shows up, and voila, we're done community consultation. No, we're talking about, you know, let's present this project. And what does the community, and then you have 10 days, two weeks, three weeks, here's a, not a little micro site somewhere saying, oh, put in your input. No, no, we're going to talk to you. We're going to bring applications made out of paper if you need those, or we're going to do it online. So I really think where a counselor may intervene in an application is maybe bona fide. I might approach a developer and saying, you know, the community's really interested in getting a park just over there. So maybe if you throw in the mix, your application, you throw in that park, you might get something out of it. But it would be to support the community's consultation process and what they want. I really don't think it is a counselor's business to actually review that application. Help it facilitate it in the sense of to represent what staff has recommended and the community. So there's that, but also we have to uh, give good policies to staff to follow. And we've seen a change of policy, a dramatic change of policy with the secondary plan. I think we've set up, it might not be as aggressive as I would have liked it, but I certainly think we've, it's a start, you know, from community benefits that include a section where there's affordable housing in the component. So I think that's really important. Using section 37, the planners and the uh, planning staff could use that to bona fide. I think that's where it all lays. It doesn't really belong to me to make an application uh, go through or not. I think actually that's a little bit interfering. Hamilton has a rental housing affordability problem. Ward 3 has seen a significant and marked decrease in affordability during the past decade. How will you address housing affordability in Ward 3 and across Hamilton? There's a variety of ways of doing this. Obviously, there, I think it's a big problem that needs to be addressed in, from many angles. There, I don't think there's going to be one specific policy that's going to address this. Being a true supporter of LRT, as you might know uh, throughout the years, I think LRT within the corridor and beyond, which brings in community benefits, which I just spoke about, will help a lot in that sense of opening either opportunities for such things as supporting housing agencies like Inwell, Kiwanis Homes, and all of this to maybe access property to build within that corridor, that's highly serviced corridor through LRT. So that's one way. I think there's other ways of addressing it, such as one concern that I have is uh, key workers, key workers being basically uh, households that have people that are working and, you know, basically will only access a house through rental, meaning they only own the key versus owning the house. So I think we could reinstate programs uh, such as the uh, forgivable loan programs, uh, mortgage down payment program we had, I think, six or seven years ago. I, you'd have to correct me if I'm wrong on that as to the date, but we did have a program like that. I like that kind of program because it actually gives access to people who could eventually, because of this affordability crisis, could end up being on those lists, those waiting lists for social housing. So let's not make them drop to that level. Let's make sure they have access. And then I think that's a wonderful way of doing it. There's also many other initiatives, depending on the particular population you're trying to house. I'm looking at, we'll give the example of the Portland Hotel or Hostel Services in Vancouver, which really speaks to a very basic 
but safe housing need for single people. So that really addresses the homelessness. It brings them just into a safer space. So that's another model that we could look at. There's a whole lot of ways of going about this. Community benefits, as I mentioned before, that help a little bit because that you know brings in um, housing through new build. But you know if you don't get the new build, well, then you don't get the new housing either. So you have to look at it as a mixed approach. Inclusionary zones as policies are extremely interesting and worthwhile to explore further. So really, it's you got to attack the problem from all sorts of ways. What are two changes you will propose to improve city services? City services. I didn't stump on the question. I had a lot of answers. I was just wondering, uh, we're talking about hard city services. So I'll, I'll give a couple of examples. Uh, the application processes that we have uh, seem to be very heavy and cumbersome for, let's say, a homeowner or anybody who's trying to do, um, has to apply to do a particular action under a municipal regulation. I look at business owners. I have spoken to so many new business owners that uh, seem to be struggling through an enormous amount of red tape and also a little bit of, I would dare I say, a little bit of apathy where they don't seem to be assisted. They really feel they're alone and kind of almost like a ball in a pinball machine. It's just being bounced around and they're not being guided. So I think we could improve that substantially by having facilitators. I mean, we, in the case of business, you know, we talk about being open for business, but I can tell you a lot of small business entrepreneurial individuals of all age groups seem to have a lot think otherwise. So that's one service. Another area that I think needs a substantial improvement is communication. What the city is doing, whether it be on your street or even globally or generally, I look at, it seems to be very difficult, even something as simple as our website. Navigating through city website is very heavy. It's very difficult. You don't seem to find things. Everything is, it seems to be kind of almost purposely made to be inaccessible. I mean, that's maybe, a, I shouldn't maybe be so negative, but I, who already know a lot of the website and its content or the supposed content it has, have sometimes, I just, it's almost easier to Google and find it through another way than it is to actually go on the website. But that's just the website. But communication overall, I think, as an example, I'm going to go back to LRT because it's such a big project that it, it seems to, you know, it touches so many departments and services of our municipal government. And, you know, I think they've done a really pitiful job of communicating what LRT was. And I, they've always been very shy to communicate, almost like if it was like, well, if we don't tell them, they won't say anything. So I think it should be much more open communication, broad communication. And sometimes it's just as simple. We see a simple construction sign, and then two days later, they're digging up your street. I mean, shouldn't I kind of get a little bit of forewarning? What are two changes you will propose to improve quality of life in Hamilton? I don't know if they're specifically changes. I think improvements and moving forward maybe possibly more aggressively towards those goals. The first one is environment, an environment in the very broad sense, whether it be um, stormwater management, air quality, 
the more trees within our, you know, having a larger canopy. So environment broadly. So I think, you know, we're doing an okay job, but we can do a lot more. So I don't know if it's changes, but we can improve it. And the second one for quality of life, that's, I think, very directed to quality of life, and that is improving, and that needs a lot of changes, the HSR. In other words, transit. I believe LRT will be a big backbone to that change, and that should be coming you know, within this term. So that'll help a lot. That will redistribute assets. And quality of life is not losing your job because it's the seventh time in the last two weeks you're late for work. And not because, you know, you're always at the last minute, but because, you know, three buses didn't go by. So quality of life. Also making sure that you don't miss your doctor's appointment or knowing that the bus is going to be there. I live off of the uh, number one, which I take less now because of my experience in it. I have seen, especially in winter, I see so many people who have mobility devices being left on the curb because there's no room, there's, you know, the ramp is broken, and HSR really needs to be fixed. So those are the two that I would definitely bring for quality of life. Hamilton City Council decided against ranked balloting. Ranked balloting enables voters to choose by prioritizing candidates, such as the top three, they feel qualified for public office and best able to represent them. What is your position on ranked ballots? If I only had one word, I'd say yes, but I'll, I'll qualify it a little bit from there. I think uh, democratic reform is very much part of the future. If you wish to empower voters and to bring them back to the polls, I mean, I think voter apathy is definitely uh, part of the voter apathy is because the democratic process seems to be broken down. People don't seem to identify anymore what they want out of their, you know, their vote, they're not getting. So I think we need a different way of counting our votes. And I'm certainly for ranked balloting. I think that's a great idea. I know for many people, it seems like a complex process, but it isn't. It just needs to be explained properly. So that's just one of the things that I think in the democratic process and within council that needs to be looked into, definitely. How will you improve civic governance and engagement during the next four years? Well, certainly engagement and participation is part of my platform. It is something that I think is vital to be able to respond as a counselor and as a council to resident and stakeholder desires and needs and dreams. So that's definitely something I would consider improving. And you do so by being a there in your community. Also, um, I think we should be having an, at minimally annual town halls minimally be able to um, get feedback regularly. We should be able to have uh, newsletters and knowing really what's going on in our neighborhood. So that in, and the engagement has to be true also. It shouldn't be uh, just, oh, well, you know, the planning act says you got to engage people, check mark, done, because we spoke to them for two hours. So the engagement has to be more, much, much, much more robust. As to civic governance, I mean, the simple fact that uh, attendance at council is uh, so loose, I sometimes feel as though it's, it's like a high school. You go if you want or if you don't. So uh, governance, um, definitely accountability. The simple fact that we don't um, uh, publicly publish our council or councillors' votes in itself 
is just that would change a lot. And I think there's a lot more open processes that are currently being done behind closed doors that should be possibly not closed doors or have stakeholder or resident present within those bodies. How will the City of Hamilton's strategic plan guide your decision-making in hiring a new city manager? And what qualities do you seek in a new city manager? The hiring of a city manager is a rather complex exercise when you've got 15 HR managers sitting around a table trying to decide. So that's going to be a a challenge in itself uh, to get an agreement as to what needs to be done, because I think a lot of people will position themselves according to what they see that person needs to be. So that means possibly somebody who has a strong penchant for, um, or penchant, I should say, for uh, fiscal responsibility might want a financial you know, whiz. Another person might want um, a person that wants to look at engagement and communication and the social affairs. So I think what you need as a city manager is a, first of all, we have to realize that a city manager is basically the CEO of the corporation, and the council is more uh, the, the board, which um, you need to have a vision statement that is embraced by the city manager. So that's the first thing. He has to embrace the vision. And that means he has to be a very well-balanced individual. So that includes looking at financial aspects. The way I look at the city manager, he's the, the guy at the rudder of the ship, and he's been given through vision, which is council and public consultation. So that vision comes from council and public consultation. And he's given a direction. You go to that spot. And he's at the rudder. And he's the one that keeps us on target, whether it's us council or whether it's the, uh, the administration, the government, and his staff. So reminding the, his staff where we're going and how we're going to get there. So I really think he's the guy at the rudder. He doesn't know. He's the one that is given by admirals the direction. So that's how I look. And that means creativity, a generalist. I don't want a city manager that's just all focused on you know, efficiencies and, and, and you know, financial and statements. You need a guy that's really a generalist and very creative and steadfast. Politics is the art of allocating limited resources and compromising to find solutions. How will you do so? My approach, whether it's in, uh, when I'm speaking you know, to a neighbor or to, or to a person I don't know, or I'm participating at a table, is identifying the, common, the commonality, if you wish. Once you build a relationship through commonality, uh, it's being able to then address a harder issue. So if we have to look at the compromises are made by the things that we have in common. So if we can agree on the things we have in common and build from there, that's part of the process. And then something I said a little bit uh, earlier, uh, you got to be able to have a bit of humility. It's not always going to be your decision and, you know, your way. You got to be able to listen to others, have common sense, be creative, know to when to shut up, okay, prioritize, and always be guided by your vision, by the vision statement that you've made, the same one that guides the, the CEO or the city manager. So uh, you come back to your vision, take that in, you have to realize that it's not all about you, and you also don't politicize the issue. It's 2022. 
the public record is writing a review of the four-year council term that is just ending. What three words do you hope we will use to describe your term on council, and what three words do you hope will describe council as a whole? Yes. I am seen, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to report. I was even pleased to hear that I'm seen as a, an engaged, responsive, and fair individual. So I'd use those three words for myself. Council, I would say united, collaborative, and impactful. Thank you. That's the end of the prepared questions you were sent in advance. Do you have any closing remarks that you wish to share? Thank you for the opportunity, uh, Joey. That's, um, I think you're doing a, an excellent public service, so thank you very much for this opportunity. If I were to speak to listeners, I would say, please don't hesitate to contact me. I'd be interested in exchanging ideas, hearing what you have to say. So please contact my website at abureau.ca. And I would say that if you're looking for a candidate that is part of your community, that knows your community, somebody who has enough experience in the community, then please, on October 22nd, vote for Alain Bureau. Thank you for joining us. I wish to thank the Central Branch of the Hamilton Public Library for the use of their sound studio where we recorded this podcast. This has been Episode 85 of the Public Records, The 155 Podcast. The Public Record is Hamilton's local, independent, reader-funded news outlet. This podcast is made possible by members of the Public Records Press Club. Visit thepublicrecord.ca to learn more and listen to all episodes of the 155 podcast. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed. The Public Record is a member of the National News Media Council, a voluntary self-regulatory organization that deals with journalistic practices and ethical behavior. To learn more about the Media Council, visit the Media Council at mediacouncil.ca. Thank you for listening. See you at the polls on October 22nd.